Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Brick by Brick. As in the past and for the foreseeable future, I'm your host, Emily Verbecki. We are recording from the heart of downtown Albion again at Pure Albion. So today we have Cressy Vargo has joined us for this conversation to share about her work as an Albion AmeriCorps VISTA leader, which we're excited because we recently had a conversation with Marquetta as um, as an AmeriCorps VISTA member. So I'm excited to hear a little bit about how you guys work together, but then also how roles differ. Um, I have some ideas about what I think that might look like, but I, I very well could be wrong. I'm often wrong. So... After having our conversation with Marquetta, we always have been asking, what is everybody's start to their Albion story? I know you're not a native of Albion, so tell us a bit about how your Albion story came to be, where it started from, and how long you've been here. How, how's that going? Okay. Um, so I'm actually from the Thumb, but I was born in North Carolina. I was a military baby, um, but I grew up in the Thumb. Um, and the first time I lived in Albion was, uh, I want to say early 2007, like end of 2006, beginning of 2007 until the end of 2008, because my husband took a job with Star Commonwealth, um, and we had moved down here for that. Um, and I... At that time, I had just finished my bachelor's degree, um, so I worked for um, Calhoun County Drug Court for about a year, and then I took an, actually an AmeriCorps position um, with MISHTA to work in the Cities of Promise Initiative in Flint, which the really cool thing about that is it was very similar to what we're going doing right now in Albion with Rising Tide, different governor, different name. But a, a lot of the things are very, very similar. So I have a lot of experience in that, so it's kind of exciting. Um, so we ended up moving back to the Thumb for a few years, but during that time, ironically, after we moved, my husband got hired by Ingham County. That job he had been you know, seeking for a while finally came to be. Um, and after a year of commuting 86 miles one way, we moved back to the Lansing area and lived in Lansing for a while. Um, and then in spring of 2017, I applied for the uh, AmeriCorps VISTA leader position. Um, I was working at CMH at the time and um, just in, a, in the residential setting, and it just wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It just kind of was time to move on. Mm -hmm. um, and the Albion one caught my eye because we had lived here before. And so, hey, you know, why not? And so then I took the position. I started in July of 2017, um, which was year two of that grant. And then we ended up purchasing a home here um, in like February, March-ish of 2018. So we've been here right around a year. Um, so that was kind of interesting um, in the respect that, you know, now the, the first time I lived here, I only had one kid. Now I have four. And <laughs> moving the kids and the whole school thing. And, and so there's been, you know, some adapting on our parts. But it's been a really good experience. The kids have really enjoyed being part of the community. And it, I think they find it figured out that I know a lot of people through my service, so <laughs> better not <laughs> misbehave too much because odds are somebody knows me. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so, and then as year two wrapped up last summer and summer of 2018, I decided that I was going to stay a, another year because I also started grad school mm. at Western. Um, so I'm doing that. And so here we are um, still trying to figure out if our Vista grant does end this year, what I'm going to do next, mm -hmm. which is mostly because I'm in school and trying to figure out how to juggle that and the kids and, and yeah, it's kind of the challenges of working mom. Yeah. And so trying to figure out what will fit best for all of those things. And it maybe isn't necessarily what'll be my best thing in two or three years when I'm done with my degree. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, we'll and, see. And what degree are you currently pursuing? Um, I am pursuing a master of social work, ironic, right? <laughs> um, but I'm actually focusing on policy and planning administration rather than interpersonal um, practice, which I think pretty much fits in with what I do now. The irony is that so far, I, this sounds really snotty and I don't mean it to, but I haven't really learned that much in my classes because it's all what VISTAs do. Like last semester, my class was on poverty. And yeah, as a, you know, I've actually served in AmeriCorps twice and this is my second term in VISTA. So I'm pretty well versed on that. Mm -hmm. So, but it was really cool to um, meet the other students and, and hear about their experiences because they're from all over Kalamazoo and Calhoun County. So the networking part of it was very beneficial. <laughs> and I can imagine that you probably are able to share a lot of experiences and, and real world experiences in those class discussions that can really build and and benefit everybody in the class. Yeah, and then I, I, I will admit I double dip a little bit because my term paper for my poverty class was on the lack of affordable childcare in America, which as we all know is kind of an issue that Albion is facing too. Right. So I have a lot of research on that. If anybody needs it, <laughs> I will gladly give you that folder. Um, so it's been interesting, too, to see how other agencies work in other communities. And it, and it's always in the back of my mind, how can we bring do similar things in Albion? Because I think we everything that we need to do here, someone probably has already done. And so rather than reinventing the wheel, I'm all about work smarter, not harder. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, looking at what other communities have done and what worked and what didn't work and how can we util best utilize what resources we have available to us to be the most efficient in getting progress towards our ultimate goal. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree that a lot of the problems that we face, somebody has already solved. We just have to figure out what that is, how they approached it, what worked, what didn't work, to be able to utilize it um, for ourselves and, and for our own benefit to, like you said, work smarter, not harder. We all work hard. Right. So you were, you were saying that you, have, you had experience as an AmeriCorps VISTA member prior to you coming and being an AmeriCorps VISTA leader here with the Albion AmeriCorps VISTAs. Can you tell us a little bit about... Because Albion has only had AmeriCorps VISTAs for a couple of years um, with the grant. How is a program like AmeriCorps VISTAs beneficial, um, important to communities like Albion? So I was actually in AmeriCorps State and AmeriCorps National, which 
the differentiation between those two is so minute it actually doesn't really matter. But AmeriCorps members can serve differently than VISTAs can. Um, oh, okay. As an AmeriCorps member, you're allowed to do pretty much all direct service. I mean, you can do indirect service, but it's primarily direct service, working directly with whoever the quote-unquote audience is for your intended program. Oh, okay. With the VISTA program, um, our primary goal is indirect service where it's building the capacity and sustainability of an organization. Now there's a lot of gray area in there in a sense because um, I'm going to use the weekend food program as an example. That was something that Emily McClelland developed during year two and because it was a brand new program obviously she had to do direct service to kind of iron out the kinks and whatnot before we, you know, had sought out a group to take it over from her. And so that's where the, it's kind of a gray area. And, and we do some direct service, like on National Days of Service, like MLK, um, September 11th is a National Day of Service. And sometimes we do a little bit because we're allowed a certain percentage. And I think we try to do a little bit here and there because it really does help the the members kind of mentally and emotionally I think because sometimes when you're working on a long-term project and you know that you're going to there's going to be results but they might not come during your term of service it can be hard especially for people I mean most of our VISTA members are not from around here so they're away from home they're away from their family friends and so you, you just need that like feel-good moment and so I think it helps people re-energize refocus and there's that instant gratification that sometimes, I mean, in reality, we all need it. Right. So, <laughs> so it sounds like in, in some of their work, almost putting together pilot projects to evaluate how something might work in the future and long term, they are providing some direct service in those kinds of instances because it's it doesn't really work to just say, I have this idea, now go do it, to, to, exactly. to be the person who works through some of those struggles in getting it up and going and putting in a, like a pilot program and then evaluating the, the effectiveness seems like that's a part of their work. But like you were saying, finding that balance to, to feel like what I'm doing is having an immediate impact and not just an impact a few years down the road that can be really hard to have and, and find that balance. Right. And the, the really good thing too, about a lot of the programming that we do, whether it's you know, the weekend food program or the entrepreneurial series that's coming up at the EDC, because we are ourselves a grant, <laughs> everything we do, we have to capture data about to report back to the federal government. So that data is also something that we can report to our subsites, whether it be, you know, the EDC or City Hall or something. So there's another benefit layer to that, if you will, because there may be something that really isn't necessarily on anybody's radar right now that say it comes up in a year that, oh, this is a need here's, or, you know, a grant opportunity pops up at random because we all know the state likes to do that. And then, oh, here's some data. We don't have to go study something. The data is already there from the vistas. We know this is a need. Here's the data to back it up. Boom, plug it into the grant and hopefully they get it. But mm -hmm. so there's, you know, long-term ramifications too of the data that we're collecting that hopefully will be utilized for future funding too. 
Yeah, that makes so. that's make, makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of opportunity for us to gather that information, even if we don't have an immediate need now. Like you said, maybe a, a need down down the road or an opportunity comes comes about that we can capitalize on that to be able to get some funding or some support in if we're thinking kind of broadly about that that we might need as a community and it's continued to get gathered, it sounds like really worthwhile time for the Vistas to spend on some of those things. Yes. And I think, you know, when you're looking at a community that's redeveloping itself, um, is projects such as Rising Tide, there's always a poverty component. Like, if they think you have the money, they're not going to give you more money. Mm -hmm. You know, they target communities for a specific reason, and it's generally based on the poverty level. Um, And so... It also looks good to those state and federal agencies that, oh, you already have this data. You know, that that's usually perceived very well. And especially at those levels, because VISTA is a national program and it's over, you know, it just celebrated its 50th anniversary a few years ago. Um, the validity of the program has already been established. Mm-hmm. So they know that it's quality. Right. So Marquetta was sharing with us about some of the things that she worked on in 2018 and in her plans and projects she's got in the works for 2019. Share with us a little bit about how your role as a VISTA leader looks different from what maybe each member is working on. Are you supporting each VISTA member on the projects, or are you even playing in some some other roles as the the leader for the group? Both. (laughs) Um, Depending, and the level of support that I give an individual VISTA varies based on what they need, because they all have different skill set, and some of them are working, or excuse me, serving in a role that they're pretty comfortable with. They have a lot of experience, and then we have other people who are kind of stepping outside of that comfort zone, which is a great thing, um, but, you know, they might have a few more questions just as they're, you know, this is a very huge learning opportunity for them. So it just varies from position to position. Like Emily Smith is working on the sidewalk assessment for the city, um, and I don't know anything about GIS (laughs) but I know I've done sidewalk audits before so while I wasn't familiar with necessarily the software that she's going to be using I understand the need for this and so what I support her with was a little bit different than what I might support someone else with Um, sometimes it's um, attending meetings and kind of being the VISTA representative, if you will, and say, like, in regard to Rising Tide, for example, um, the VISTAs are involved on a couple different levels, and it, you know, like, we just had a, a steering committee meeting, and as we're sitting there, I'm like, oh, well, and, and they're talking about a particular project and kind of struggling, like, who can we, you know, who can do this? Who has the time? Because, you know, in some cases, we're kind of running on bare minimum here and it's like oh well that would fit with Austin at the EDC let me you know see how you know it's a natural fit with him with what the EDC's mission is let's you know kind of tap Austin 
for that. So it sounds like you look for some of those opportunities with, you know, by participating in community wide meetings to say, here's opportunities, either there might already be some overlap with what VISTA right. members might be working on, but there could be new opportunities that complement things that they're already working right. on. Right. And, and it helps too, because sometimes people don't necessarily understand the full purpose or mission of what we're trying to do as VISTAs and or maybe they don't realize that all of our VISTAs are college educated you know they have experience and knowledge that they're bringing to the table I mean yes they're volunteers but they've got some pretty impressive resumes of their own and a skill set that um, you know is extremely beneficial and like Emily's working on a lot of GIS stuff the city doesn't have the budget to hire someone to do that right now mm -hmm. unfortunately so she's able to fill that key gap right now so that we can keep things moving in a positive direction and hopefully at some point you know and again here's an example like as she collects this data and you know maybe there's a grant opportunity and maybe they get you know i have no idea but there could be that possibility that there's a grant that they could get funding for a full-time gis person based on the work that she's doing now mm -hmm. you know who knows but you know, either way, we're going to know what sidewalks are bad. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? what things need to be addressed. Right, and it'll help the city because they're, you know, running pretty tight on manpower, be able to prioritize projects mm -hmm. because, you know, funds are not unlimited. Right, So, and I, and I get the sense that each VISTA member, too, is partnering with an organization that maybe some of those resources are tight um, yeah. and can really be an asset to helping them so they don't have to drain a budget or make their budget go out of whack and trying to do some of the work that they're really passionate about and want to be able to achieve. But manpower, budget, resources are, are a struggle. So I get the sense that VISTAs help fill some of those needs um, with programs to help progress them further. Am I understanding that correct? Yes, that's exactly it. And then sometimes looking outside of the infrastructure items that Emily's doing, but looking at like Marquetta's working on after school programming, you know, if the city's already running on a tight budget, that's one of the first things that goes normally. I mean, those are the things that as much as you don't want to eliminate them, you have to be able to repair the water line. Mm -hmm. You don't need to offer an after school club. But there obviously is a need for them and a reason that we need them. But when you have those tough decisions to make, that's what happens. Right. Um, so that's the cool thing is that we've kind of got people on both sections of it. We've got the, the infrastructure side and then we've got the human side. Mm -hmm. Even though in the end they all tie together, sometimes the numbers people are, you know, you know they've got to work with what they've got to work with. And you know sometimes it kind of gets lost in the shuffle but I think we're doing a pretty good job not only as vistas but even as a community I've seen I, you know I haven't been here that long but I've seen the passion that people have for certain things in this community and really one of the things that I pride the vista program on is being able to kind of bring those people back together because you know one of the things that has happened in Albion over who knows how long, I don't even know, is that people, you know, and it happens in every community, tend to silo, and and the reality is, is that we're all trying to reach the same goal, 
and let's work together. We're smarter, not harder again. <laughs> um, and so, and people have that passion and sometimes it's just, it wasn't like a, any negative thing happened. Just people got busy. Like they were doing things as a volunteer and this came up and that fell by the wayside because we all only have so many hours in our life. And because volunteering is our quote unquote job, we have the ability to kind of fill those gaps when maybe someone else has the need or excuse me, the desire to do it, but they just don't have the time because they have to go to work. Mm -hmm. What a shocker. And so kind of helping with that so that it doesn't fall through the cracks and rebuilding some of those relationships and, and really getting people excited about volunteering and being involved in their community and just helping them remember, you know, it wasn't always like this and it won't always be like it is right now. And even though there's a lot of struggling going on in the community, there are so many positives and that's, you know, let's focus on the positives. Right. So in, in thinking about the VISTA members and supporting different organizations, different entities with, within the community, and I know you mentioned it's always a question of is the grant going to be renewed in next year and in, in future years. If outside of the wondering if the grant would be continued, if it was just, yes, there's five years of grant funding um, for the AmeriCorps VISTAs, would that mean potentially that Vistas, uh, Vista members could could go to different organizations with throughout those five years, um, as as maybe one entity really is making a lot of progress. They don't need that additional resource anymore. Could it be that in the future, other programs, other services would would have a Vista member who doesn't maybe currently have a Vista member? Yes. Um. Because sometimes the needs of the organizations change or maybe miraculously get a pot of money at the end of the rainbow, (laughs) which I'm sure they all want, of course. But um, one of the key things um, in having a VISTA at a location is um, that they have someone who could serve as a sub-site supervisor. Um, So they have to have the capacity for like a full-time employee that would, and it's not necessarily that they have to, you know, be working one-on-one with the Vista all the time, but it's the person that would acclimate them to the site. The person who would say, these are the things that are important for this nonprofit or, you know, and this is, you know, what we want to, this is our goal. Now we need your help to get there. Um, and be that person, um, you know, the tour guide, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, then, uh, one of the things that they're talking about is they explore funding for next year, and it's all way up in the air. Um, as they move into an extension, there's a possibility that the subsites would be asked to do a cost sharing, which is totally common in Vista world and AmeriCorps world. Um, the catch in Albion is, you know, do the since everyone's on such a tight budget, do they have the capacity to come up with the cash? And do they, and do they have enough? Because vistas are expected to serve thirty-five to forty hours a week. Mm-hmm. Do they have a workload? And I hate to say workload because we're technically serving, right. but you know to justify that. Yeah, because exactly. if they don't, then it's you know not necessarily a good thing. Um, so those are kind of the the challenges in a way. Um, they work very well in other communities and. Um, 
it's a challenge, but it doesn't mean that it's not something that we can't overcome. It's just not, that's not my call. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But there are some options that they are looking at and, you know, that's all on Greg Strand. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure, but, (laughs) but you know, those, the grants and upkeep on grants and finding new grants and renewing grants that that you have, there, there is a lot of work. And I, I think in a recent city council meeting, they talked about somebody who could potentially be a regular grant writer on behalf of the, uh, behalf of the city, um, knowing that that, that could be a need and a long-term need for the community. So I think, I think a lot of people have that kind of understanding. Right. um, And I think one of the things I've noticed on, you know, different, you know, social media sites is um, one of the, sometimes people have questioned why the city is so reliant on grants. Well, the answer to that question is that's pretty much how you get federal funding. Mm, So if you want federal dollars, you play the grant game. Uh, And so it is what it is. Yeah. I think that that that's changed over the years, one with the one availability of more data, but also a drive to have more decision-based Dis, right. um, database decision-making process. Right, exactly. And it's a, it's a method and a tool for the federal government and the state to... Hold people accountable for those dollars. Right. Uh, I think it's probably from learn from experiences and past experiences yes. that, yes, that's it is kind of the, the game and the lay of the land now is that a lot of these programs are through grants. It's no longer just a, we're dispersing money here, there, right. and everywhere. Um, and, and so... And in a way, you know, it is a good thing in the sense that Hopefully, theoretically, the communities that need it the most get it. But in the reality, we I'd say if you have a high-quality grant writer, that's a can... serious advantage. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like the star pitcher. Like, you need the all-star team to mm-hmm. get you out there. So I, I, I hope that residents see the value in that and understand that, yes, it's scary to think we need to take on this another staff member with a salary and mm-hmm. medical and... Uh, dollars yeah but the return on that investment could be huge so it is that it is an investment Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) and probably a very a long-term investment because some of these grants you know you'll you apply multiple times um or some of them are are long-term kind of grants there you know several years they're not all short-term where they're just a year or six months sometimes too like if you applied for grant a whatever it is and you successfully administer and meet you know like you said you're going to do x y and z and then you do that you can use all of that data and everything for your next application yeah. and and so so there can be a snowball effect mm-hmm. pretty much and and that can be very good and having a person that has the ability to to do that stuff full time and really make sure that the you know the i's are dotted and the t's are crossed and thank you i said that in the right order mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know and making sure that you know everything is submitted on time and things because right now, you know, that there's so many people that are wearing so many different hats at one time that we're all only human. So, it, you know, mistakes can be made. And yeah. And, and so, you know, the potential is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And that, again, that's a good thing. I, you know, speaking of, you know, let's focus on the good thing. The focus to me, the fact that that conversation is even being had, we need a grant writer is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So speaking of conversations and that, that it's good to start having that conversation, you were saying you are a part of a lot of different conversations. You're a part of a lot of meetings with a lot of different organizations and entities around, around the city. Are there any topics or points of conversation that you haven't heard people talking about yet or people are only just scratching the surface on it that you feel like it would be important for Albion to have bigger, deeper conversations in some of those areas. Is there anything that stands out to you as being like you, you want to encourage the community to start talking about blank? I, I, I'm laughing because anyone that works, serves with me will know as soon as I say this. Child care. Um, because it was not a conversation or a buzzword or whatever you want to call it that I really heard a lot about last year. Um, it was one of those things, like, I think everybody knew we needed it, but nobody was really talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, it, and perhaps they were, and I just weren't, wasn't part of that conversation. So I don't want to throw anybody under the bus because perhaps that was it. Um, but I brought it up at a, one of the neighborhood planning council meetings last year and, um, and I've kind of like, just keep saying it at the rising tide meetings. Like, I'm just going to say this until you put it on the to-do list. Mm-hmm. Because I'm using myself as a personal example. I live in town. My office is at the Ludington Center. So I work a mile from my house. I, on the way here, I drive by a child care center. But it's full. And I have a two-year-old. So my husband takes my son to Marshall every day. Mm-hmm. So we drive 48 miles a day for child care. When my husband works third shift and I work a mile from my house, but two-year-old and a third shifter do not mix. But I realize that I have an advantage that I can, can do that, and not everybody here does. And the you know AmeriCorps is actually paying for my child care as one of my benefits, so it makes it a little bit easier. But for, for most people, and if that wasn't the case for me, it would be cross-prohibitive just for the gas and the wear and tear on my car. Right. Um, and so it's kind of a huge issue for me because I realize that I have, in essence, a privilege and I, and I see how that could impact even my ability to find employment. And I have an education. I have experience. I have a car. And so all these other, you know, what are considered traditional barriers to employment, I don't have those. But I still have that one, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and it is expensive and, and for good reason. I mean, you want quality child care. And so that's kind of been my like passion, if you will, because right. I, you know, as a student of poverty policy and a multi-year AmeriCorps VISTA, I, I keep telling people, you can bring all the jobs you want, but until there's child care, no one's going to be able to take them. And, and there is so much data to back this up that lack of quality, affordable child care is taking especially women out of the workforce. Mm. And as a woman, I find that kind of like, and I know so many women who have college educations who had to step out of the workforce. And sometimes it was just, that was what was best for their family. And, you know, that's their thing. But in some cases, it wasn't necessarily what they wanted. It's what had to happen. And it just seems like people should have more of a choice, not feel like they're pushed into something mm-hmm. or pushed into not working or pushed into not having kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to you don't want it, people to feel like their choices are limited 
um, and did not be able to, to, to make the choices that they want for the whole family or for them individually. Right. In their and then careers. investing in quality, affordable childcare has long-term economic impact because those parents are able to return to work. And then hopefully at some point, you know, you, you break that cycle of poverty. Mm-hmm. And reliable childcare makes so that you can reliably work and yes. helps to build uh, a, a stable workforce. Yes. All those things play in. So that's my, my thing right now. And again, mm-hmm. that's why I focused on that for my term paper too, because I, I was really curious. I, I, you know, like I said, I double dipped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Used my student, my school research to kind of justify what I was thinking, or you know, find yeah, that data. Things you're working on. And there, the irony is that the United States did have a universal child care policy during World War II. Hmm. So we've already done it, and it worked. Hmm. Why can't we do it again? So it's so it's not just an Albion thing. It's the state because I found data about Traverse City. And, you know, when we think of Traverse City, it's a much, it's a pretty economically sound, affluent community. So you would think, no, but yeah, same issues. And so it's, I think as as much of it as it is, you know, an issue here in Albion, it's actually part of a bigger national conversation. But if we can get that data now, Mm -hmm. if, you know, it starts becoming that national conversation where someone finally realizes, hey, we need to put some money behind this and we've already got this data. Boom, we're at front of the line, hopefully. Yes. So yeah, position ourselves to <laughs> right. take advantage of some To op- be proactive rather than reactive. Right. So. Always love to be proactive rather than reactive. So. <laughs> well, so I've been asking everybody this last conversation to kind of, or the last question to uh, wrap up our conversation. So obviously you're very involved and out in the community a lot in your role as an AmeriCorps VISTA leader. If people were to run across you or bump into you around town and you weren't working, I know it's hard to imagine like not working, what would you, what would they find you doing? Uh, I mean, like I'm like on 24 seven, like seriously, (laughs) because, but it's because, I mean, that's my passion. That's what I want to do. Like, you know, when I grow up as a being 43, almost 43 isn't grown up, but anyway, somewhere, (laughs) but, um, so obviously I do robotics. I'm getting ready to do a robotics spin club with Marquetta to do the 4-H aspect of it to get more enthusiasm for robotics. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a Cub Scout leader in Holt, which is where we moved from, and I just can't give up my kids. Um, yeah, I've been doing it, and I'm actually going to be switching positions in the fall for that. Um, uh, and then I... Let's see what else. I mean, I'm in school. I belong to the American Legion Auxiliary. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to be very involved here in Albion because of my school schedule. Mm. And they meet on Mondays and Cub Scouts is on Mondays. So, like, only so many days in the week. Right. And I can only be in so many places at one time because, unfortunately, we do not live in a sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but just a little bit of... And I always am looking at opportunities and... Marquetta teases me about it because we like even today we had a conversation about you know project whatever and and I'm like but we could look at it this way and then we could, and, and she's like you're just spinning it into like four more things <laughs> and teasing me about creating more work but it was actually like a good thing um, and so I'm always looking at those things and observing and just kind of I've always been community involved and community engaged and even before I knew it was a thing. 
So it's hard for me to separate the two because I've done it my whole life. Mm -hmm. So I just... Just part of your everyday. Yeah, pretty much. So I'm just always about, you know, and I have, I I mean, I do the things with the kids. We've got a lot of activities with scouts. Soccer is going to be starting soon. So do the soccer mom thing. Mm -hmm. And my oldest son is in Boy Scouts. So, and the other two are in Cub Scouts. And so, I mean... So scouting, sports, mostly <laughs> robotics. Like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it. And probably I might look like I'm just playing on my phone, but I actually downloaded the Kindle app on my phone so that I can read my school books. Oh, there you go. <laughs> without having to lug around my actual Kindle. Mm-hmm. So like trying to be. So don't assume that you're on Facebook. Yeah. I might be, but <laughs> but I find a lot of information on there too. I mean, I've found a lot of different um, resources that we use as vistas that I've shared with other people in the community because again somebody's already done this mm-hmm. and so um, just sharing that those resources with other people so that everyone can be a part of this whole transformation of Albion mm-hmm. is a kind of a big deal to me because I don't really feel I mean there has to be leaders of anything like this but it needs to be like totally community driven. You know, like the more people that we have and I mean the passion of the community, it just work together. <laughs> Working together and we can get there and and be proud of that. I mean that community pride that people still have, but right now I think there's also people who are struggling with where things are at, not only locally but nationally. And hopefully we can just kind of find that common or as the AMRCP committee likes to say that common thread because in reality we have it it's just we've maybe ignored it for a while and we need to get back to that mm-hmm. absolutely so. well thank you so much for coming in and joining us for this conversation about the work that you're doing um all the different things that you're working on things that you you know you're that you're looking forward to in the future and, and and all those i really appreciate you sharing your thoughts and your perspectives on on things that are going on in albion so thank you so much for coming in really appreciate it thank you for having me Thank you for listening to our Brick by Brick podcast and a special thanks to Cressy Vargo for helping to share more great conversations about Albion. If you know someone who would like to be on an upcoming episode, please give us their contact information and we'll get in touch with them. Go to downtownalbion.com forward slash brick by brick where you'll find our past episodes and a link to contact us. You can also subscribe to Brick by Brick through iTunes, or you can listen to episodes online at soundcloud.com. It's been fun, and until next time, we'll see you around town.